All right, John. Well, always appreciative of your time. And uh, let's start with the White Sox Astros series. Uh, really two juggernauts in the American League. You look at the statistics, pitching, hitting, both teams have it. Who has the edge, though, in a five-game series, in your opinion? So, Josh, I'll say this. I've got the White Sox winning this series. I really believe they are peaking at the right time. You look at their starting rotation, and yes, while there's still some concern about Carlos Rodon, I like the way this group is coming together, and the bullpen is so deep and really diverse with what you can do back in the later parts of the game with Hendricks, with Kimbrell. You've got Bummer there. You can have Kopech in a relief role. A lot of really creative solutions for Tony La Russa there and his staff to, to manage the late, the late innings. So I think with the starting pitchers, you're really only asking them to give you five or six innings, and then your, your bullpen can mix and match the rest of the way. So I, I like that structure. It seems to fit with the success that a lot of teams have had uh, in the postseason. So I'm going to give the White Sox the edge. But I got to tell you, Josh, I, I love the notion of a Dusty Baker versus Tony La Russa playoff series because I was a young intern covering a, a Cubs Cardinals series at Wrigley in 2003 and the two of them it was a very contentious series and now I'm thinking 18 years later they're still at it so a huge credit to both Dusty and Tony and can't wait to watch them here in this postseason series I mean it's pretty incredible right 150 years of combined life experience let alone what they're bringing on a baseball diamond and for Tony La Russa in particular I think he put aside a lot of doubts during this regular season as to uh, was he fit to manage this young dynamic ball club and now we'll see what happens in the playoffs you're right and I think for Tony La Russa Josh he's always been someone that I think has handled pressure very well and certainly he's so competitive we know that about Tony and I think this this team really fits with his ethos which is to really value each nine inning segment of the season from April and even from February on to the end of the year and they really I think adopted that intensity we saw some very contentious series down the stretch against the Tigers and I think in many ways Josh the way the White Sox played late it was interesting because they didn't have a lot of pressure on them to win the division really the division wasn't in doubt after June but I, I really think those series against the Tigers really seemed to, to activate that competitive instinct you saw Abreu obviously right in the middle of everything the rest I think helps Anderson we know how important he is to the team Luis Robert I think has really gotten going and I think for maybe fans that were more focused on the AL East race or the NL uh, races or the AL wildcard, you might've missed just how great Robert has been the last month or six weeks. So I think that's been a huge development. And I got to tell you, Dylan Cease to me, you know, he missed some time this season, obviously. And there was the, the scary moment with, with the comebacker that hit him in the arm, but Dylan Cease has been when he's been on the mound, arguably the best pitcher in the American league this season. So I think he, to me is someone who is poised to really get a lot of national recognition this month. I think Dylan Cease is the key to the White Sox this October. I like that, Dylan Cease. Uh, game one, are you giving the ball to Lancelin or, or Lucas Giolito with the possibility that starting pitcher gets to go again in a, in a game five if that's the case? It's a great question. And really, I think for Tony La Russa and his staff, it's, it's a really intriguing option. Uh, I would probably go with Lynn just based on the, the, the playoff experience and maybe then have Giolito as the, the game two option with the possibility of Lucas being out of the bullpen for a game five, if there's an all hands on deck situation, or he starts game one of the ALCS, if you're fortunate enough to advance, I, I would probably go Lynn, but they have so many great options. They really can't pick a wrong one as far as I'm concerned. And then of course is Dylan Cease likely to go later on in the, in the series. I'm really curious as I'm sure a lot of white Sox fans are about what happens with, with Carlos Rodon and, and how, how fit he is to pitch, how many days off he's going to need a lot of uncertainty there about Carlos Rodon, but, if he's right, if he's healthy, this is a team that I think has as good of a starting rotation as just about anybody else in the American League. 
Elsewhere in the postseason, you have the defending World Series champions who are in the wild card game, 104 wins for the Dodgers, and they could be one and done uh, playing a St. Louis team that's been as hot as anybody, obviously, in baseball. Do you think, John, we're going to start to get those questions again about should it be a, a one-game world uh, wild card matchup? Uh, are we going to have changes this offseason amongst, obviously, many coming uh, to that format? You know, it's a great question, Josh. I, I think there's going to be a lot of conversation about the playoff format and, and how things look. Of course, all part of the CBA talks that are going on this winter, there have been some thoughts that we could see a seven-team format where the first overall seed in each league gets the buy, and then it's two versus seven, three versus six, or they get to draft their opponent, as, as has been suggested in the past. We'll see. I, I have no issue, though. I'll say I have no issue with the situation. And here's one of the reasons why. If you go back to the old, old format where it was just four teams making it, so three division champs and one wild card, there would have been zero drama in the National League the last month. None. Even the Cardinals' great run, they would have never gotten close to the Dodgers, and that would have been an afterthought. And the Giants-Dodgers race would have been a big shrug of the shoulders because they're both going into the division series. So I love the format the way it is. It gave us an incredibly exciting AL wildcard race down to the wire. Obviously, no game 163s, unfortunately, on Monday, but it was still a great race to the end of the day on Sunday. So, And that was all because of the way the format works. So while the Dodgers may have to have a very uncomfortable game against the Cardinals, I get it. You can always fix that by winning your division, Dodgers. I mean, you, you had a chance there. So I, I have very little sympathy for teams that don't win their division. And I think the format right now is fine. If they want to go to seven teams, I'm probably fine with that too. But I, I really like the drama that we had leading up to Sunday. And Josh, that was all because of the fact that we have a wildcard game that forced that pressure on all those teams. That's a great point and a historic season by the still nobody believes in us, San Francisco Giants, uh, which leads me to who do you think will make the fall classic? So here we go. And I'm not just saying this because I, I'm on your network here today in the great city of Chicago, but I've got the White Sox beating the Braves. You can even check that out on MLB.com. I've got the White Sox winning that World Series in six games. And, and yes, I've got Dylan Cease as the MVP. So congratulations <laughs> early to Dylan Cease. You're the World Series MVP. Don't Dylan and White Sox fans check my track record on predictions because I'm maybe not the best in that area, but, I, but this is where it all changes. My friends, it, it changes here. Uh, the, the world series titles going back to the Midwest with the White Sox. I just think that they are, they're peaking at the right time, a lot of momentum. And, and we have not had, even though it's certainly trendy to pick Dodgers Rays, We have not had a rematch in the world series since the late 1970s Dodgers and Yankees back then. So it's been 40 plus years. I'm not counting on it happening this year. I'm counting on the White Sox, Tony La Russa, to add one more championship after already being in the Hall of Fame. What a unique situation that's going to be. But I'm expecting some great moments on the south side throughout the month of October. I can't wait. Hopefully I'll be uh, seeing everybody in person in Chicago. But it's going to be a great October. Uh, and I, I can't wait to see how this all plays out here in the weeks to come. We hope so. I think the Braves were a sleeper pick, too. Nobody's picking Atlanta, I feel like, in the National League. We'll wrap up with this, John, because I, I saw you did the retrospective on the Cubs season for yes. Marquis and, of course, uh, not talking playoff baseball uh, on the north side. But what are we looking at from this rebuild? And if we kind of peer into the, in the future, spring training, what does this offseason look like for the Cubs? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's it's probably not going to be a big offseason of spending, to be honest, based on the moves they made and, and looking to the future and, and calibrating their window where it is relative to the other teams in the division, the Brewers being so strong right now. If the Cubs look at their roster, they have to ask themselves, are we one free agent away from being able to beat the Brewers? And the answer right now, candidly, is no. 
and they I think they really have to go within. I, I think they have made some good moves in the last year or so. I, I look at the the strides that Owen Casey has made. Of course, he came over from the, the Padres and the Darvish deal. That's a really interesting move. And, and I think overall, the farm system has started to grow uh, internally, of course. Uh, they'll, they'll be hiring new executives, of course, to, to lead baseball operations under Jed Hoyer, which is really important as a new GM. So there's a lot of other, I think, questions going into the way this team is going to work and their overall infrastructure from a player development standpoint. But I, I love some of the stories. Schwindel's a great story. Wisdom's a great story. We've seen some young players come up and really make their mark, but it was striking going through it and, and writing uh, the essay and thinking about how much changeover there's been. Only four players who played in that game seven back in 2016 are still with the organization. And one of them is the manager. So only three active players, uh, Hendricks, Contreras, and Hayward are still on the roster there's almost as many people in management as there are still on the roster. So it's amazing how quickly things change in baseball. I know it was a tough summer for the Cubs and their fans to say goodbye to so many great names, but I would not expect, I would not hold out hope, Cubs fans, that Brian's coming back or Rizzo's coming back, Brian, uh, Bias is coming back. Turn the page. It's, it's time for, the, for that new era of, of players coming up, and I expect brighter days ahead as you get towards maybe not 2022, but 2023 and 2024, I think, better days ahead for the Cubs. All right. Good stuff as always, John. Really appreciate your insight. Uh, have fun in Tampa. Stay safe. And hopefully we see you here in Chicago in a couple of weeks. My pleasure. We'll, we'll, we'll go over the, the Lions uh, issues against the Bears. Uh, next <laughs> yeah, we will. Right? I, I guess we could have gone a couple more segments just talking about that. But I didn't, I didn't <laughs> we'll think you wanted that. to talk Lions football. Man. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, no. Michigan football, maybe. Lions, yeah, yeah, no, exactly. no, yeah, no, that's, no, that's no, the good story now. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks as All always, best. John. I appreciate your time. We do. And um, yeah, we'll talk soon. My pleasure. Thank you.